those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast designed by fans for fans of Calcio at the highest level. I'm Frank Cravello. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us yet again. Uh, no El Clasico on the peninsula, but uh, boy, very reminiscent of La Liga or Bundesliga or any other league in this world where they don't play defense. Yes, there were goals. This is not your father's Serie A anymore. Uh, helping me break it all down is fellow Calcio consultant Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How's it going? Man, this has to be this has to be a record for most goals in a in a Syria match week. I, I I I can't remember. You know, save for match week thirty eight when you know a bevy of teams just flat out don't give a shit anymore. Right. Pardon my language. I can't remember. I can't remember a week of so many goals. Forty three goals in nine games so far, and they're still. Uh, another game to be played tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I had to buy a second abacus because I couldn't keep count, keep track of all the goals. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of funny. We were, you know, we were watching the B in sports and watching the multi calcio. And uh, I had I had tried to tweet to uh, to Andres and to uh, Matteo Benetti during you know during the show. It didn't get on, but I said might as well just keep that multi calcio graphic on the TV the entire time. By the way, oh. by the way, some, there are critics of that multicultural. I think is actually phenomenal. I think it's great to you know be able to cut into other games and see the goals as they happen. So I'm a big do fan. Do they of even that. appreciate? Do they even appreciate what a time saver it is for you and me? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Some people. Some people. We got yeah, yeah. They like they think we're gonna sit there and watch ten games or something, and in twenty hours of like we're <laughs> like we're like we're sitting in some cave, and that's all we do, and then we spit out information. So. Oh man, but no, it was uh, it was an incredible uh, an incredible weekend for goals and uh, just kind of magnifying the Capocan and Yeti race a little bit too. I mean, there's so much of this that we're going to talk about uh, as we do a match week uh, 33 breakdown, um, and then uh, you know, but we also want to talk uh, on this pod. We want to talk uh, contract extensions and stars of Serie A staying in house. Uh, which is an excellent thing. We'll break a little bit of that down for you. Um, and uh, we're going to start, though, with the biggest news uh, that transpired since we left you last, and that is Juventus in the semifinals of the Champions League. They went to the Cop No. They took care of business. We did know going in they had a 3-0 aggregate advantage thanks to the Paulo Dybala brace and the Giorgio Chiellini goal. Uh, thanks to extraordinary performances from Benucci, Chiellini, and Alexandro to keep players like Luis Suarez and Lionel Messi quiet. Um, I think in that first leg, Richard, Danny Alves, I think he just looked like he was picking a fight with Neymar for most of the game. It sounded like they, you know, just especially with that first half of that first leg, it looked like they had uh, they had a little something going on between the two of them. I don't know, is there a, maybe a girlfriend they were fighting over? Or, or, it's or, almost or like what? A, it's but, almost like a sibling rivalry, you know, big brother against little brother, because you know they yeah. they've known each other for years with the Brazilian national team, also with you know Barcelona. So it was maybe just a little bit of competitive juices flowing there, trying to get yeah. the better of one another. Man, Alves was just hacking away at him, uh, you know, in the first half of that game. It was just kind of it was just kind of interesting. But anyway, and it, it kind of got under Neymar's skin a little bit, so. Uh, but, you know, 3-0 up, everybody was talking about, well, here's what Barcelona did against Paris Saint-Germain. They were 4-0 down and came back and won and, and got a lot of help. Sorry, Gavin, it's just the truth. You got a lot of help. And what do we, um, say? What do we, say? What do we say when we compare PSG to Juventus? What do we say? We said PSG is not built like Juventus. PSG is not built to do the things. That, Juventus exactly. has the experience and the willingness to do what they needed to do going into the Camp No. Okay, so... When you and I were watching that second leg, 
we were perfectly happy with that score staying 0-0 as long as possible. Um, and we knew it was going on. Um, you know, Allegri had no designs on trying to have, you know, a, a superiority in possession. He relied on that veteran defense and that veteran goalkeeper, Gianluigi Buffon, the greatest goalkeeper to ever play the game, in my opinion. Um, and uh, the, the combination of Bonucci and, and, and Chiellini and, uh, you know, a, even after the game, you know, Barcelona was doing their team dinner afterward and Andres Iniesta tried to pass, uh, uh, I think, pass a dinner roll to Luis Soares and, and Bonucci and Chiellini even intercepted that. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're, they're that good. They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it might put a lot of people to sleep and it might bore people to tears. But, you know, if you've got a strength, play to that strength and get out, get out of there with the aggregate lead. Um, you get out of there with the aggregate total. And that's exactly what Juventus did. Uh, Lionel Messi uh, had very little involvement. Luis Suarez had even less. Uh, Neymar was pumping in crosses and shots like crazy. I think it was probably expected he was going to do that. Um, you know, but uh, nothing over the course of the 180 minutes, Richard, that you could look at. I mean, I think the only... The only chance over the 180 minutes that I can look at from Barcelona that I would say, wow, that was pretty much a 100% chance for them was in the first leg when Messi played Iniesta through and, and, and uh, Buffon got a glove on it. Yeah, no, and exactly. It was that play, and I think maybe it was one other play where Messi had a sniff at goal and it pushed it just wide that uh, Buffon got. That, other than that, I mean, nothing was really too threatening for them. You know, Bonucci and Chiellini did an outstanding job, and Alexandre over there on the wing, completely shutting down Messi in the first leg, completely shutting down Messi for at many times of the game, which is very hard to do, as everyone in the world knows. Yeah. Juan Cuadrado, I think he flew under the radar as far as outstanding performances in the second leg. The man just ran his socks off. Yeah, yeah. As as well as much as uh, Mandzukic was. One of the best players in the first leg, Cuadrado was in the second game. I mean, uh, he is so underrated of a, as a of a player, and especially now he that he's it looks like he's completely bought into Max Allegri's you know system. Um, he is just one hundred percent committed, and you saw it in that leg. Yeah, he should have scored too. Yeah. Uh, great chance, great chance in the second half. Just just barely pulled it wide. Um, you know, and 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 looked dangerous going forward on the break. I mean, he just ran he just ran hundred and ten yard, hundred and twenty yard doggies. Uh, the entire game up and down that right flank, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it did come at a little bit of a cost. Uh, Sammy Kadira is going to be suspended for that first leg. Um, we'll talk about, we'll, 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 we'll go on full blast about Monaco here shortly, but what kind of impact is that going to have on Juventus uh, heading into that first semifinal? Um, it, it's a big, big impact. He is a, he's a international star for Germany. Um, he's a star for Juventus and, the, and you know, the role that he plays for Juventus, him and Pjanic, you know, deep-lying midfielders, um, they're that link between the defense and the attack. Um, they're, they're, they're back defensively when he helps. He, he's been in pivotal, you know, uh, defensive plays. And he also, he's been up and scored some, you know, some nice goals. He's got a rocket of a shot. Um, he is a very instrumental player. I'm sure someone like maybe Marquisio would, be, you know, come and step in, but... Kadir is a big player to miss. Uh, luckily, it's only one game. Luckily, it's only a, you know one game suspension and not like an injury. If it was that, it would be a bigger loss for them. So uh, the fact that it's only one game, I mean, it's going to be hard because you got a team that's going to come attack them is like they had none they've seen all season. Maybe I guess people will say Barcelona has a good attack, but well, we saw how that ended up. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. So um, 
you know, nil nil, uh, got the job done that Paris Saint-Germain couldn't do in the round of 16. And now here in the, into the semifinals where they drew Monaco, uh, for the semifinals. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you and I joked after the second leg was over with against Barcelona, that mainstream football media is now going to start touting Juventus when we've been touting them for months. Right. Um, I think French, uh, Liga podcasters or, uh, those that are very, very close to Liga, league in, in, in Monaco, they're saying the same thing about Monaco right now. Um, you know, we only see, you know, we look at standings, we see they're in first place, you know, and unless you're actually watching some of their games, you really don't know, no, don't know a whole lot about them. And a number of our listeners probably have not seen a whole lot of Monaco. So, yeah, let's break them down a little bit and see where the threats are. Okay. Um, you know, first of all, the, the, tactically, the, the, this team... From an attack standpoint, they they're I guess the best the best adjectives I can say is dyna- dynamism and pace um, are are really two things that are core characteristics of what Monaco do when they go forward. Would you agree? Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, for most part of the year, we said you know Napoli is one of the most entertaining teams in the year in, in the in the world. Um, they're second to this Monaco team. This Monaco team. They're they're scoring they're outscoring their opponents three to one on average for the entire season in Ligue 1, which is that's amazing. Um, and I you know I was on the Champions League podcast you know several you know I think right after the group stages, and someone asked me uh, who if I was a Juventus fan who would I not want to face and I said Monaco because their attack is that you know potent they just come at you in waves and waves and they're young kids mostly you know other than Falcao and they just don't stop all game long it's it's an impressive you know feat that they're doing they're so they come at you not only just one way. They have plan A, B, C, and they're very dynamic, like you said. You know, it's hard to stop those guys. Yeah. Um, leading them, uh, and their captain is a, is a familiar name to many in, in mainstream football. Radamel Falcao, who has had a resurgence at, at, at Monaco. It's as if should have never tried to test the English Premier League waters. Whether that was fueled by Monaco to do it, to just try to you know bring up some of these younger players and let him just go ply his trade in the Premier League. Or whether that's something that Falcao said, look, I, I, I want to give this a shot, uh, and, you know, and see if I can can pit my skills there. You know, we don't know that. Uh, maybe somebody somebody that follows French football closely could follow that, or could could give us an answer on that. Um, but uh, you know, his leadership and the example that he sets, and you know, he has uh, with some of his performances this season, especially in the Champions League, the first leg at Manchester City, yeah. he's turned back the clock, hasn't he? Man, he so before his you know before his big move to England, he was by far I mean by far the best striker in the world. Um, now the, the the form that he's in, he's showing glimpses of that. His touch is unbelievable. He has a nose for goal. I mean, he is just he's an amazing striker. And I think those you know those knee injuries and going to the English league you know ruined his game for a few years. But he's turning back the clock. I mean, it's good for him. I hope he stays with Monaco now for you know for the rest of his career. Yeah, and he should. Um, he seems the most comfortable there. He's scoring a ton of goals for them right now. Uh, scored today uh, in their uh, league match against Lyon. Um, and then the other goal scorer in that game is a guy we better not ignore and uh, Juventus fans better not take lightly. He's 18 years old. He's Kylian, his name is Kylian Mbappe. And he is already drawing comparisons, Richard, to a certain Thierry Henry. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are saying that he's the best teenager in the world. 
Now, a lot of Italian soccer fans, you know, yeah. will, will say Donnarumma <laughs> is. But these two kids, yeah. they're, I mean, Mbappe is a fantastic talent. I mean, he scored how many goals as a teenager? I mean, not many people. Maybe, maybe Messi is the only one who can score that many as a teenager. Um, he is he is so fantastic, and he's strong. He's, I mean, he looks very lanky, but he is very strong. Um, and he's only going to grow into that body. So, you know, those comparisons to Henri, they're going to come, they're going to be fulfilled if he keeps, keeps at this pace. So, you know, this is only, you know, he's still a teenager, but once he gets into his 20s, uh, look out world. He's an ideal complement to Falcao. Yes. You know, because Falcao's the big target, strong, physically imposing, great in the air, where Mbappe can just run all over the place, and that can be hell on, on a two man central defense. Uh, which one tracks Mbappe? Which one has to stay home? Um, you know, do you play to that even numbers? And, you know, that's where it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I'm going to lean on the expertise of the likes of uh, Bonucci and Chiellini and Buffon to figure that out. Um, but uh, it, it scares you when you look at it from the surface, especially when they're both in very good form. But it doesn't end there. Um, you know, they can destroy you wide. Um, they're using players like Bernardo Silva. If you don't know him, you're going to get to know him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very highly sought after. Uh, Thomas Limar is their kind of their set piece specialist. Takes their corners, uh, delivers a good ball. Had a great assist. Put the ball on. Put the ball on a plate for Falcao in that uh, second leg of the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund. Um, and then it doesn't end there. They're, they've got fullbacks that just bomb forward. There's Benjamin Mendy on the left hand side. Uh, you know. If Alexandro wasn't having the season that he was having at Juventus, and if you didn't see some of Marcelo's performances at Real Madrid, Benjamin Mendy would be a lot would be would be more in the ascendancy as far as uh, some of the top left backs in the game right now, and he he should be he actually is yeah um, he's just not as known when you talk about the performances that uh, you know you have from Marcelo for Real Madrid and for Alexandro for Juventus. Absolutely, no, he he is a fantastic player. Um, and, and there's also a familiar name in that back line that many Italian fans will know, and that's uh, Glick. Yep. Neil Glick. Remember, wasn't he at Torino recently? And uh, yep. Yep. They, they let him go, and now he's he's performing absolutely fantastic for them too. And like I say, it doesn't just stop from the front line; it goes all throughout this team. They're just they're such a great built, greatly built team, and they're young. And he's going to have some of that Torino blood in him when he plays Juventus. You know it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we're going to have to check on his fitness. But on the right-hand side, there was uh, Sidi Bay, who did not play um, in the second leg against Borussia Dortmund. And from that matter, I don't know if he played in the first leg either. Um, I know that I, I think he's been fighting an injury. Um, uh, the guy that replaced him in the second leg against Borussia Dortmund, Almani Toure, is another one of these young guys. Monaco's just pumping out yeah, young players like crazy. Oh, it's, so It's kind of sick how much, how much talent they have. And in the youngsters, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's one yep. one one get one falls down with an injury, another one comes in. You know. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And then there's veteran players. You know, you mentioned Glick. Uh, Joao Moutinho will be a factor in this at some point. You know, over these two legs. Fabinho uh, is, is a great player. Fabinho is a talent. He's actually transitioned to play in a holding midfield role. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's been brought in as a right back, and I think he deputized it right back today in the win over Lyon. Yeah. Uh, so. And then they got this that big, is a, big midfield Bakayoko, who's a big, guy, big presence, blonde hair. Yep. Reminds you of Pogba in that way, but uh, yeah, he's 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 a good player too, especially in the air. Yep. Uh, you know, very dynamic Monaco team. Uh, 
you know, very pacey in the dangerous areas and, uh, you know, not, you know, not a done deal for Juventus on their way to the Champions League final. I mean, I think that if they would have drawn Atletico Madrid, I think we would have, we would have gotten two legs where, you know, <laughs> the ball would be in the middle of the park and neither team would want it. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, Real Madrid, you know, you get kind of a masterclass. Now I, we can play a, a, you know, a historical parallel if you want here, Richard, are you ready for this? Sure. Uh, the only other time Juventus and Monaco played in the Champions League semifinals, yes, uh, 1998, yep. and Juventus went through with a 4-1 first leg win. I think they ended up winning like 5-3 on aggregate. Monaco grabbed the second one, and they would go to the final to play who? Real Madrid. That's right. Um, you know, stars so it, are you aligning. Know, the stars are aligning, although we do not want the result of the 98 final. No, we don't. <laughs> so, uh, that final where it was a 1-0 win, where Mijatovic uh, scored. Uh, for uh, Los Blancos uh, to uh, to beat Real Madrid, and that was their seventh uh, uh, European Cup uh, win uh, as a club, which then was a record. I mean, they're up to eleven now, which is uh, which is astonishing. So, yeah. um, what do you think, Juventus? I mean, the first games in Monaco. So the challenge here is just get something man- manageable, because even with the talent that Monaco have, I don't find them to be a team that can go to the J and get a positive result for them. You know, if Barcelona couldn't do it, you know, Porto obviously weren't in a position to do it. You know, some of these other teams in the past that have had a hard time coming to the Juventus stadium. Um, you know, what does Juventus have to do in this first leg? And we'll probably, you know, we'll preview this when, uh, when we get closer to it, but just knee jerk reaction to this draw uh, what has to happen at the Stade Louis de, uh for Juventus to get something manageable to bring back to the J? They're going to have to get an away goal. Um, I don't know. I mean, this this Monaco animal is it's going to be a bigger challenge for them than than it was Barcelona. Now, many people around the world think I'm crazy saying that, but that's how good I think Monaco is. Um, I don't know if they can actually come away with a win in Monaco, but if they can get an away goal, maybe like a 2-1 you know, loss, get that away goal, it'll be big going to the J Stadium. Because I agree with you, it's going to be very diff- It's going to be more difficult for somebody else to beat Juventus at home than it is for you know Juventus to win at Monaco. Um, but Monaco are one of those few teams in the world who have that I'm not afraid of anything, and I play the same on the road as I do at home mentality. Um, so this is gonna be it's gonna be a very difficult task, but I think for Juventus, what they this first leg, what they need to do is at least trying to get in a away goal. If they can get more, hey, whole power to them. But yep. if they can get that at least one and keep it and keep you know Monaco to no more than two goals, I think that's gonna be a victory for them. Yeah, they were fearless at Manchester City in the first leg. I mean, they lost they lost five to three, um, but came back and won three one in the second leg, and then. Uh, you know, they won at Borussia Dortmund, although the circumstances, I think, were a little unusual there with the uh, bus bombing Yeah. Um, there with Borussia Dortmund. And then them being asked to play 24 hours later after that happened. Uh, there's a lot of opinions about that. I don't think they should have played so quickly. Um, shame on UEFA. I know you've got a schedule to keep, but that was, you know, you know, <laughs> it, 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 fine. One player, only one player got hurt. We're lucky that only one player got hurt. This is still a, this is men- still a tragedy. This, yeah, mentally, yeah. they're all shook up. Yeah, now, absolutely. I don't, if that never happened, I still think Monaco would have beat Dortmund. But the, with, with, what, with what happened, how it transpired, I agree 100%. It shouldn't have been played. Much less 24 hours later. You know, it should have been postponed at least a couple weeks or something. I don't know. I know they got a schedule, but hey, 
tragedies happen, you have to adjust to it. You can't. Uh, they should have. They should have postponed the game much longer than what no. it was. Basically, you know. Agreed. Agreed. Um, as for this first leg at Monaco, I, I would say to Max Allegri, you know, you know, dance with what you've been dancing with here these last few weeks with this four-two-three-one. Don't change it. Um, you know. Uh, lean on Buffon, lean on Bonucci, lean lean on Chiellini. They've been through these battles before. Uh, they'll be able to adapt. Um, you know, the challenge is going to be on. I'm, I'm not so worried about Alexandro because I think he's showing an ability to win tackles. Uh, you know, to do some dirty work beyond you know going forward and providing crosses and things like that. You know, it's Danny Alves that you know does make me twitch a little bit in a game like this. Um, you know, just because defensively, you know, he's improved over the course of the season. And when you, when you're, when you're in an environment around the guys like that, I just mentioned Bonucci, Chiellini, Barzali, Buffon, how can you not get better as a defender? Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be interesting with him on that flank. And that's where you've got the likes of Lemar, Lemar and, um, Mendy, you know, working against him. He's going to have to lean on Cuadrado to, uh, to come back and offer some help. Uh, you know, so that's, uh, that's where it's going to be interesting. If Juventus can hold serve in those wide areas, do what they can to deny the service to Falcao, um, and try to just keep Mbappe in front of them. I think they're going to be fine. Um, you think it'll be a, you think it'll be two, one to Monaco on the first leg? Um, you know, yeah, I'm gonna I, go do. One, I do. I'm going to go one, one, I'm going to go one, one more than happy with, more than happy with getting a draw and getting the away goal advantage and then just uh, getting it back to the J and going for the win. So, um, you know, when you get to the semifinals, it's another thing with the Champions League. When you get to the semifinals, these games get a lot tighter. You know, they, very rarely do you see goal outbursts. Yeah. You know, they may come, like out, conservative. They may come out conservative. Monaco will, might, you know, but if they, if they stick to the way they've been playing all year, it'll be attack 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 but you who said like you said it's a semifinals it could be jitters it could be want to play conservative you know not give up the goals so it could be very low scoring yeah it could be um you know you can get cagey because you're now one step away you know some of these players start to play to avoid mistakes um you know you're so deep into the season players are fatigued um you know and they're you know trying to reach that trying to reach that finish line so a lot of things are going to factor into this it'll be interesting to see uh, Richard's going to go first leg to Monaco 2-1. I'm going to go 1-1 draw. What are your thoughts? Go to at Syria, sit down on Twitter or Instagram and hit us up. Let's get on to match week 33. Man, we're going to give that uh, that those sound bites from Lega Serie A workout this uh, this week, Richard, I think. What do you think? Oh, my goodness. We had, what did you say, 42 goals, 44 goals? 43, yep. 43, and we still got a game to go. 43 with a game to go. I, this is, I mean, it's averaging. If you, it, the game could end goalless tomorrow, and you have over four goals a game for the slate. That's correct. When would you have ever said that about Serie A? Yeah, and <laughs> so, people say it's the most boring league in the world. Right. Yep. Not your father's Serie A anymore. That is for sure. So. Um, and the, the, the fun, uh, began on Saturday and the headliner on that was Fiorentina and Inter. This was a game, Richard, that, you know, last chance saloon for Fiorentina, as far as any European prospects, the slight chance of sla- saving Paulo Souza's job. Inter 
they're catching them at the right time. Uh, they had that ugly loss at Cortone. They squandered a 2-0 lead in the Derby della Madonnina. Uh, and now they're coming on the road to play at the Atemio Franchi. This might have been a great chance to snag them. It turned out it was a good chance to snag them. Uh, but uh, it did take a little bit of work from Fiorentina as even Perisic and Moro Icardi canceled out an early Matias Vecino goal to give into the lead going into the half. And all looked to be going well for the Nerazzurri especially when when maybe one of their future players tries to help them uh, <laughs> Federico Bernardeschi let's not let you know talk about the fact that that probably cost me a that, that cost me a bit of money worst um, PK that, ever that Simone Zaza should have gone to Twitter and said I can't believe what a horrible penalty that was. <laughs> I wish he would <laughs> I mean and 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 you know, you know let me just take a take a minute here to talk about this this I don't know what this stutter step penalty is actually called Stupid. I've never, I've never seen it work, ever, especially in key situations. You know, ever. I saw Sergio Ramos try to do it some years ago. I think it was in a Champions League semifinal with Real Madrid, and he put it over the bar. Yeah. You know, what are you, you doing? What are you doing? Is that your moment to say, "Look how great I am," and then you fluff it? Yeah. I mean, it just was. It was. It was. It was pitiful. I mean, I and and and, and pitiful's even insulted that I called it that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen I you know my 5-year-old kid could my 5-year-old son could strike a ball harder than that. What do you th- what you saw it what do you think? I thought he thought he, he like some I saw someone posted on Twitter he you know the, the 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 attempt he made was well above his skill set. He obviously thinks he's better than he is and wanted to do a little cheeky little play. Uh he fluffed it completely. He shanked it and you're an embarrassment and you're probably never going to take a penalty kick in your life again. Well no, I I I uh I, I tweeted Chloe Beresford from uh, Gentleman Ultra, who's, you know, Fiorentina fan. And I said to her, I said, start the investigation. This kid's <laughs> going to enter next season. He's trying to help him get into Europe. There you go. So, you know, uh, it's just, uh, you, know, con- con- you know, just to play to the conspiracy theorists out there. So it was just pitiful. And he was promptly and rightfully substituted after that yes. by a guy who actually did give a shit, Josip Ilicic. Um And uh, boy, he got booed off the pitch, too, didn't he? Oh yeah, you know, and he's trying to get quiet. Quiet down. I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. No, you you knew what you were doing. You can't you can't be that bad at a you can't be that skilled and that bad at a penalty kick. And I even went to Twitter and I said, I hope Ventura saw that. So and 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 doesn't give him a place in the in the national team. It was just you know, I mean, to be to you're getting touted like that and you're drawing all this interest from other clubs and that's how you take a penalty. Ugh. So. Fortunately for Fiorentina, that didn't doom them to a loss here, as uh, they kept fighting. Uh, Davide uh, Storri uh, would actually equalize in the 64th minute, just a few minutes after that penalty missed, and then that was followed by this goal. Ancora Vecino, 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 con il destro! E la viola la ribalta! In avanti la Fiorentina! La doppietta di Mattias Vecino! Yes, Matias Vecino on the double, giving Fiorentina the lead. Uh, and then it was Kuma Babakar, who we felt was man of the match in this game. Just, man, he was just tireless today, tireless on Saturday, wasn't he, Richard? Yeah, you know, we had Nemo on last week, and he was saying, you know, he tweeted out that, you know, if Babakar played Fiorentina, I mean, played Inter every game, he'd win Ballon d'Or. And that's how good he was. <laughs> he was that good. I mean, he was everywhere. He could not be stopped. He looked like an animal. Why doesn't he play like this week in, week out? That's the question. And Inter was trying to stop him. I mean, I just dragging him and pulling him and tripping him, and um, you know, and it, and it just wasn't working. And uh, 
You know, I saw what Vicino was doing, so well, if that guy can get two, I can get two. Dentro per il Cuma, col piattone, doppietta per lui e cinque per la Fiorentina. Pokerissimo viola al Franchi. And that would give Laviola a 5-2 lead, and you think it's done and dusted. They're on their way to the three points, but uh, the way the season has gone for either of these teams, you can't trust even a 5-2 lead. Uh, and Captain Moro Icardi. Palla dentro il colpo di testa, è la tripletta di Maurito Icardi per il 5-4 Fiorentina. Took Inter on his back, scored two goals in the final two minutes, get the score to 5-4. La Viola now on the brink of self-collapse. And uh, Marcelo Brozovic had an excellent shot cleared off the line by Davide Astori that would have leveled it at 5-5. It ends up up being a 5-4 victory for Fiorentina. The defensive run for Inter, horrible as it is, continues. Uh, I tweeted to Nima Tavali, we had him on last week. I said, this is all going to plan, isn't it? <laughs> right when I think this was after uh, Vicino got the lead back for, uh, for Fiorentina. But suddenly uh, sixth place gets interesting, Richard, because that, that brings Fiorentina right back in this. Between this and the Milan loss uh, on Sunday, they're only three points out of sixth. Uh, they they got a chance, don't they? Yeah, surprisingly they do. I mean, I thought they were done and dust and had no chance. But you know, the Milan clubs are being very charitable these days, and they want to make sure everybody gets their share. So it's it's going to come down to the wire. I think with Inter being owned by the Suning Group and Milan being owned by Rossoneri Sport Luxembourg, and each having money that they're getting ready to invest in their clubs, um, they're probably just saying, "Hey, you guys want to beat us? Beat us now. Enjoy it now." Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I tweeted out. I tweeted out that uh, you know I was like, both these clubs do know that you don't get draft picks by you know by losing by tanking in the season. You know that, right? This is not the right. uh, NFL, right? You know, hey, maybe they're tanking because they don't want sixth and don't want the distraction of Europa League so that they can build their squad and contend for a contend for a scudetto in the Champions League place the following season. You never know. Some team, sometimes yeah. teams do that. I mean, you look at you look at Chelsea. It wouldn't have done them any good to be dealing with the Europa League uh, and. You know, it's gotten a little tighter in the Premier League, but uh, they are in first, and they've been in first for a long time. So Yeah, that's true. Um, the other game on Saturday, there was goals in this, too. Uh, Atalanta 3, Bologna 2, Andrea Conti, Remo Foiler, and Mattia Caldara. Ancora Atalanta, palla dentro! Il 3-2, segnato da Caldara! Torna avanti l'Atalanta! Getting on the score sheet for Atalanta, Mattia Destro and Federico Di Francesco. Uh, scoring for Bologna in consolation. Uh, at that moment, Atalanta was in fourth. Um, and, uh, but fifth now, 63 points, five ahead of six, five ahead of six place Milan with five games to go. Uh, they're very close now to securing automatic qualification for the Europa League. They're not going to, you know, forget about the playoff spot. They're going to be straight in from the looks of it. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's good for for us fans who like the uh, the the smaller clubs, you know, the provincial clubs. Yeah, uh, they're like Sassuolo was for the last few years, and everyone's been cheering them on. Even though, even though some of the some of the teams who are below their fans, you know, maybe want their teams to go in, they're still cheering for Atalanta. I mean, how can you not? This team is just fun to watch. With Papu Gomez leading the way. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I worry about with this Atalanta team is how many of these guys are going to be around to enjoy Europa League football next season. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they probably will be enjoying it with other clubs. Uh, 
you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, with just rumors circling around, I already saw that, uh, uh, Frank Cassier could be on his way to Roma now next season. Uh, that, that rumor popped up. So, but you know, they uh, got the right manager for, for this kind of situation because, um, when he was at Genoa, he, he dealt with the same stuff and year in year, he kept producing it. He kept producing talent. So if anyone can produce talent with, you know, with the loss of players, it's just, it's, it's, uh, their manager. Right. Right, I definitely agree with that. Gasparini has done wonders uh, there with that Atalanta team. Um, you know, so uh, you know, as for Bologna, just one of those teams right now playing out the stretch, fifteenth place. You know, no real uh, eleven clear of the drop. Five games to go. They're they're pretty much they're pretty much out and out safe uh, for uh, for next season. So um, you know, but. Uh, you know, Mattia, Mattia Destro getting back on the score sheet for Bologna. Uh, you know, I think we're going to hear about him as being one of these guys that just finds success. You know, we keep talking about Bodiello playing well for, played well for Genoa. We'll talk about him in a little bit here as he scored for Cagliari again, you know, but maybe had his struggles at a place like Milan. Um, but, uh, you know, Mattia Destro might be that same kind of player where it just works out a little bit for him to be playing for a team like Bologna and having, having his, his success there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yep. Um, let's jump into Sunday. And uh, while the day might have changed, the goals didn't. Uh, it opened up with Sassuolo and Napoli, and it was Sassuolo 2, Napoli 2. Dries Merton starting the scoring. It was canceled out by Domenico Berardi and Luca Mazzitelli for Sassuolo. Uh, all seemed doom and gloom until Arkadius Milik rescued a point with an 84th minute equalizer. La destra verso Koulibaly, palla che resta buona al viol, poi la girata in rete da parte di Arkadiusz Milik che torna a segnare dopo l'incubo dell'infortunio, Rieko, uno dei grandi protagonisti della Serie Team, segna Arkadiusz Milik. Nice to see uh, Milik back and among the goals. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's relieved to get, finally get a goal in. I mean, he was in, what, maybe three minutes and then scored that fantastic goal. That's got to yep. do wonders for his confidence. Yep, definitely. Um, you know, and Sassuolo, uh, you know, snatching a, snatching a point here and maybe playing the spoiler role. So maybe we might have underestimated their, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, hitting the beach theory, uh, on them, uh, maybe jumping the gun on them a little bit. They're trying to patch it together and they've, they've accumulated some points and, uh, you know, getting a big one here at home against, uh, getting a big one home here against Napoli. Um, playing for contracts maybe, you know? Yeah, playing for contracts, playing for jobs. They beat Sampdoria last week two one. They drew out Atalanta. Um, they narrowly lost to they narrowly lost at home to Lazio. So, you know, they're not quitting. That's an, so pretty interesting from that aspect. And they're either playing to extend contracts at Sassuolo or they're playing for their next job. So, yeah. again, they're another one of those teams that you know a number of players could be uh, you know could be on the way out this summer. So, uh, Domenico Berardi, chief among them. So. Uh, then we had the uh, slate of games that uh, took place at 3 o'clock local time on the peninsula. Uh, Lazio 6, Palermo 2, Ciro Immobile. Spazio ancora per la conclusione, il gol di Immobile. E sono 20, la doppietta di Ciro Immobile. Getting himself back on the score sheet with a double, and they were uh, within a minute. Uh, and to just add to... Palermo's misery within that first half hour. Keita Balde. Immobile, Keita, Keita, Keita! Ed è 5 a 0. E tripletta per Keita. Si porta a casa il pallone. E siamo solamente al 26esimo minuto. Scoring a hat trick in a five minute span. That gave Lazio a 5 0 lead. 
before the before the half hour mark, as I mentioned, uh, a brace for Andrea Rispoli uh, in consolation for Palermo. Um, talk about a team that's hit the beach here, Richard. They've they've uh, the uh, the Rosanero have pretty much accepted their uh, their relegation at this point. Yeah, despite what Diego Lopez thinks, uh, this team has yeah. been on vacation for a while now. <laughs> I was just going to say, does he still think they can get out? <laughs> I didn't catch the post-game conference, but maybe he's, I, I can almost guarantee he said, yeah, we still got a chance. Let's see, 13 from safety with five left. That would have to be the ultimate of ultimate escapes. They would have to win all five, and Empoli would have to lose all five um, You know, for them to have any chance. And obviously, Crotone would have to drop enough points along the way, too, so... Uh, no, um, it would be, it would probably be the story of the Serie A season, uh, if, if they managed to do that. So, um, but, uh, you know, clearly not going to happen. Ciro Immobile back on the score sheet, uh, and took his tally to 20. That's now six players, Richard, in Serie A who have 20 goals or more this season. Not your grand, not your grandparents, uh, Serie A or your father's for that much, you know, 20, no. six, 20 goal scorers. That's re- unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I'll go on record. I think a seventh is coming. Bordiello is sitting there on 16. Yeah. I think that he has his chance to get there before the season's up. Um, you know, so that is, uh, you know, some record of goal scores, especially. I mean, it's not just that, but these are these are established players who are capable, who, who are scoring the goals. These aren't, you know, up and coming guys or, you know, this isn't a Luca Tony who's having that last, you know, season in the sun where he, Wins the Capocan and Yeti. These are these are guys that are in their prime that are um, that are at the best that are the best stages of their career, and it's making it a lot of fun to watch. Oh, oh, uh, you know, absolutely. Maybe, yeah, maybe Belotti out of there being the young guy in all of this. Um, but I mean, we've talked about him so much. I feel like he's been around forever. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so you know, let's uh, let's get into that discussion about Marco Bolliello. Udinese two, Cagliari one. Stipe Pericia though. Perizza, Perizza, il destro, gol! Il vantaggio dell'Udinese con Perizza! Ended up being the one that scored in the 70th minute. Man, Udinese and Cagliari, the, uh, the, the memo must have gotten to them pretty late about scoring lots of goals this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that must have halftime talk must have been like, hey guys, you're, you forgot you got to score. Yeah, everybody else is scoring. What's going on here, right? So, <laughs> um, and, and Gabriele Angela uh, would double the lead in the 73rd and we mentioned Marco Bordiello he did get that consolation in the 86th for the Sardinians that takes him to 16 goals uh not a whole lot to talk about with this one Richard Udinese in 11th still uh still fighting for for a top half finish at this point and that's that's just about it between these two teams yeah yeah I can't say much more about that at least they're winning. Yeah. At least Udinese is winning now. They find, finally found ways to win. But other than that, I mean, there's nothing really can be said. Yep, yep, agreed. Agreed. All right, and bouncing back, it was Chievo 1, Torino 3. It was 96-year-old Sergio Pellissier scoring for Chievo. Poi Inglese entra in area Pellissier! 1, 2! 96 years old. You wrote that. <laughs> I've never gone that old when I talk about an old player. I've never said 90. Just keep going up. Just keep going up. He'll be 100 next 75, week. 75 with Macaroni. I did that. I think that's the, I think that's the oldest I've gotten with anybody. So, <laughs> 96 years old. I mean, if we're going to do this old, old, old age thing, it'd be reasonable. Give it a reasonable number. So, <laughs> so, but it is Torino. I guess a 96 year old could score on them. This is true. Um, with that defense? 
Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, scoring for uh, Torino, it was not Andrea Bellotti, unfortunately. So uh, one of our old uh, one of our old podcast friends was watching this game. Um, <laughs> Adam Lijic, uh actually uh, scored first for Torino, uh, but the uh, goal everyone's going to remember from this game was the one from Davide Zappacosta. La deviazione di Castro, il tiro di Zappacosta. È splendido questo gol di Zappacosta. Applausi per il difensore del Toro. How did that not tear a hole in the net? Oh, you're kidding me, oh, man. That was a rock. I didn't know the kid had it in him, but oh man, that was beautiful. I watched it several times. I couldn't I couldn't help. Love how he's come on and that's only going to be good for the national team. I so. think that call maybe gave more confidence than he than he was already had. He's Agreed. Been, he's been playing better since the call up. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, Iago Falke would round out the scoring uh, for Il Toro. Um, you know, another team that's playing up the stretch, but they're making it a lot of fun while they're doing it. And Sinisa Mihailovic, you know, building something solid here. Uh, he's he's building a foundation that, you know, if they can keep Andrea Bellotti, if they can keep some of these players, they've got something to work with uh, and could be a very interesting proposition in the 2017-2018 season. Would you agree? I would agree. I mean, do you, do you think that they're going to they're gonna keep uh, uh, Mihailovic or... Or do you think they, uh, that he'll they'll let him go? Because, I mean, with the talent that they have, you would have thought they would have been contending for Europa League, in my opinion. And they have not. So, I, I, to me, they failed expectations. But they're a good team. So, he does have a, the basis of a team that can contend in the future. So, the question is, do they keep him or do they let him go in the offseason? They just can't defend. Yeah. Um, you know, they can get that sorted out if they can bring in some signings that can Part show of that's up that his fault, though. You know, get, you know, we're getting rid of some of the guys. You know, Maximovic and Glick. Yep. Those could have helped burn, tremendously. Burn some bridge. In, in, in the case of burn, the, burn bridges with Maximovic in that case. And, yes, you know, Glick yes. obviously kind of didn't like the setup and didn't like the situation. So, um, you know, so it's uh, it's one of those, uh, you know, weird seasons. They didn't, All the Torino games have been entertaining, but that's not good for Torino because they're sitting ninth. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, so... Uh, but uh, nonetheless, you know, a, a foundation to work with. I think they should keep him. Um, I get do, him some, I do too. Yeah, get him some defenders. Uh, you know, let him continue to build what he's building and, and, and see where it goes from there. So uh, I'd be curious to see if uh, Joe Hart plays beyond this season or if he heads back to the, he, he heads back to the Premier League. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be an interesting story uh, for the summer. But um you know, overall, there's a nice base of players here to work with to make this uh, make this team a threat uh, in the future. So, uh, Sampdoria one, Crotone two. Uh, let's just continue this Latan Ibrahimovic comparisons and the uh, Syria sit down man crush on Patrick Schick. Quagliarella, numero di Schick che salta, secco Ceccherini in area Schick, Patrick Schick, 1-0 Samp, la prodezza del gioiello cieco. Stunning goal. I even heard, I even saw somebody refer to it as Bergkamp ask. What do you think? Yeah, man, that was that was beautiful. I mean, just the the flick it around the defender come in and and, the, and at least he finished it. Some guys would you know would get too you know I don't know crazy whatever and then you know flood the shot. He, you know, he he said cool and calm, and he just put it away like he's done yeah. it before a million times. Yeah, that just uh, that just drove the transfer fee up about another twenty million. So, yeah. uh, you know, for anybody that's trying to get their hands on him in the summer, but uh, what a talent Sampdoria has on their hands there, and it 
sadly, it took a Luis Muriel injury for them to get there. And you know what? So, he's, this is only his ninth start of the, of the season, and he's already in double digits in goals. Imagine if yeah. he started every freaking game. Come on, yeah. Giampaolo. What you doing, man? I know you got yeah. I know you got 40-year-old Qualiarella. Let him stay on the bench and come on as a super sub. You know, him and Muriel would do wonders together, I think. Okay, so Policier's 96, but Qualiarella's only 40. <laughs> you told me 96 is too high. I, turned, I went way down. <laughs> Sixty, come on, we can, okay, we can. 60, let's, 60. Let's, let's, they're both sixty. All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. What's the difference? <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, Sampdoria, we're in, a, we're in a good spot here um, against a team that's still trying to miraculously uh, dig their way out of the bottom three. Uh, but they showed up, and it was uh, uh, Diego Falcinelli. Boy, he has he has just been special for Crotone this season. He pulled one back to make it one-one, and that set up this. Falcinelli è libero Simi dall'altra parte il cross di Falcinelli Simi ancora una volta il nigeriano decisivo Sampdoria 1 Crotone 2 a 10 dalla fine our friend Simi Richard yeah we knew nothing about last week I actually took the time to look at he's a Nigerian international he's six foot six wow I mean for a defender that'll be like that'll be a good size for a midfielder woo yeah but I guess he's more of a yeah he's a forward I mean was Czech Republic Jan Kohler? He was what yeah, six six nine six, seven six? Yeah, he was. I mean, he's the new Jan Kohler or is Jan or Kohler. Peter Crouch, the, maybe Peter Crouch. <laughs> uh don't, 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 don't. Uh, <laughs> don't I always worry there. about setting the bar way too high for young players, but I also don't want to set the bar way too low for them either. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> you know, at least his teeth are all in in fine order. <laughs> and he's so. not doing that stupid robot dance. Yeah, gosh. Oh, man. So, uh, apparently, uh, Crotone's on to something here late in the game. Bring this guy on and just start pumping crosses. and get. Although he, he struck on a volley on this one. But I could certainly see. Just uh, get get the ball on Simi's head and let him do the work. So, uh, And uh, Crotone uh, gave, gave themselves some hope here and continued to put this, uh, put this pressure on here, getting out of the bottom three. Unfortunately, uh, a game that they really needed some help with did not go their way, and it was unfortunate for Richard and myself, too. Uh, Milan won, Empoli 2. And it was the op- the scoring opened with Levan Kedlidze. Il cross di El Caduri non esce Donnarumma e viene punito dal colpo di testa di Michelizze. E avanti, l'Empoli 1-0. And then uh, a second goal for Mami Baba Tiam uh, that put the visitors up 2-0 to shock the hosts. Uh, Milan, prior to that second goal, were given a penalty from Suso. Uh, unlike Bernadeschi, this was a very well-taken penalty, uh, but forced a magnificent foot save uh, from Skrupski. Uh So then Tiam gets the goal to make it 2-0. Lapadula did pull one, back in the, pull one back in the 72nd minute. It wasn't enough. Vital three points for Empoli. And Richard, we can talk about all the goals all the we- on, on the weekend, but man, uh, Skorupski was a stud today. He's been as he has been all all season. I mean, this this kid is a good goaltender. I mean, I say kid, he's like twenty six years old or something. Um, but he is a good. I mean, someone whoever he goes to next year. Apparently, he doesn't want to go to Roma, who is the team that he belongs to. Um, but yep. whoever he goes to, they're gonna have a great goalkeeper behind behind the pipes with him. Um, I, I can't say enough about this guy. For, for playing on a team as piss poor as Empoli are, 
he's the only reason they are in a position they are because he the saves he makes. I mean, week in week out, he is fantastic. He's, I I I think Milan on another day they win this like five or six to two. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Milan Twitter was all pissed off, and you know, you know, I even said it. I said, well, you know, you had a dozen a, a dozen great chances to score. If you can't if you can't finish them, it's it's going to cost you. Um, you know, so in in one vein, yeah, fine, Milan Twitter, you're right, you got a right to be pissed. But on the other end, <laughs> sometimes you just sometimes you just uh, clap your hands and you give a standing ovation to the goalkeeper on the other team because uh, I think on any other day, Milan win this game. Yeah, did, running you, away. did you see the save he made on um on what's Bumpstick's name? Uh, Paletta, the header he had any other any other team in the league he would have scored on, but yeah, you know, but that, Skorupski gets a, a hand save on it. It goes right to the Milan player who hits the crossbar, Ocampos. Um, but yeah, who, who saves that? I mean, that's ridiculous. It was a beautiful save. And as for Milan, this is the consequences of pairing Gabriele Paletta and Christian Zapata together in the middle of your defense. Yep. What did I say? As soon as the game started, I said, it's going to be a long day for Milan fans. Sure. Well, I sure said that. I, I saw the team news and I said, good. Lapadula starting. Uh, or Lapadula starting over Baca. Good. Paletta and Zapata together in the center of defense. Shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's what it so, was. You know, and I said one thing. You know, we better score a ton of goals because they're gonna. They're, there's gonna be one or two. I don't. You know, Donnarumma is a fantastic goalkeeper, but when he's got those two guys in front of him, knucklehead one and knucklehead two, um, that's exactly what's going to happen. So, you know, but uh, in the end, again, we we should look at this last Europa League place. Milan uh, Milan hold it at 58, golden opportunity to pull themselves five points clear. But now it's a dogfight for that last Europa spot. Milan 58, Inter 56. And now Fiorentina are in this on 55. So um, we said this in last week's podcast. We warned people, okay, fine, it's Empoli at home. If you think it's going to be three points, you yeah. never – it's a wounded animal. It's a team trying to survive. And they're in a it, relegation battle, so they're going to be playing better. Yep. You don't just – you're not going to win just throwing your shirt on the pitch. And, uh, you know, some of those uh, some of those Rossoneri are learning the hard way today. Um you know, but let's uh, let's look at that real quick. We've got um, I think we have one more game to break down uh, on the uh, match week thirty three slate. But let's just quick look at sixth place because now that that becomes a lot of fun. Uh, Milan at Crotone, Roma at home, at Atalanta, uh, Bologna at home. Okay, so that's theirs. That's their next four. I'm just and I know there's a fifth. I'm just gonna you know jump into these next four. Inter. Uh, their next four. Uh, Napoli at home. Away, Genoa away. Uh, Sassuolo at home. Lazio away. Mm. And who did the... Uh, who did the inter... Who did the inter personnel piss off at the scheduling department? Yeah, no kidding. That run-up. Yeah, so... Um, and, I mean, they got Genoa on there, and Genoa just don't care anymore. We'll talk about that yeah. here in a minute. Milan's no kickwalk either. I mean, Crotone is in a relegation battle, you know, and then you got... They uh, got to go to Crotone, who just beat Inter there. Yeah, so. they got Roma. Yep. Now, Fiorentina, uh, they go to Palermo, uh, they okay. go to Sassuolo, and then they've got Lazio at home, and then they travel to Napoli. So, I mean, Oof. not only are the not only are the points tight, but these three teams' run-ins, there are, there are landmines everywhere you look. Yeah, they got to earn it. Whoever gets it has to earn it. Yeah, I mean, that's the yep. only way you can it, say it. It will be earned. Uh, it definitely, uh, it definitely will be earned. So sixth place has become a very 
uh, interesting fight to the finish here. And part, uh, of, part of it is, you know, there are actually more competitive teams now than maybe in the other years where it'd be like just say Juventus, Inter, Milan, and maybe Roma or Napoli. You got you mm-hmm. probably have close to ten teams that could beat anybody on any given day other than Juventus. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's so competitive the league. So every every weekend and week out, you're gonna have to bring your A game. I mean, oh, you, can, Sass- you can't just put the jersey on. Just look at Milan. Yep, and Sassuolo showed up. You know, Sassuolo's yeah. not 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 quitting. You know, if you look at some of their results, we just talked about it. Uh, you know, Napoli is obviously going to be a factor in who takes sixth with uh, showing up on a couple of these team schedules. Um, you know, so. Uh, you know, and then, you know, Milan traveling to Crotone. There's some real landmines uh, here for each of these teams, you know, as they try to navigate this and try to sna- try to snatch that last Europa League place. Uh, so, uh, you know, still plenty to play for for these three and uh, going to be an interesting uh, going to be an interesting stretch of games here. Um, the Sunday night cap, uh, Juventus and Genoa. Uh, after that Champions League triumph, Max Allegri gave a number of players the night off. Uh, Genoa apparently also took the night off. Uh, <laughs> it ended Juventus 4, Genoa 0. There had to be one team on this late that wasn't going to score. Um, and uh, the ball got rolling with an own goal, uh, but then Paolo Dybala just scores a minute later. Dybala la fa rimbalzare in area di rigore, cerca lo scambio con Kedira. Dybala! Dybala! Che Juve! Che scambio! Che gol! Something about Paulo Dybala at the J Stadium, Richard. No wonder why he extended his contract. Because he, I think all but three of his goals this season have been at home. He feeds off that mojo. I mean, the stadium, that's a great stadium. And he just seems to thrive in that atmosphere, you know. And they love him and he loves them. So, uh, and good on him. I mean, yeah, like I said, most of his goals are at home. Uh, that's fine with me. I'm sure the fans love it. And he does that thing with his hand. Uh, the Dybala guess, mask, yeah. Yeah, the, the Dybala mask. It's like a gladiator, like a tribute to the gladiators or something like that. So yeah. I was going to call it Dybala-ing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just call it that. This is our podcast. We can do that. That's right. <laughs> uh, they would get a third uh, just a couple minutes before halftime, and that was through Mario Mandzukic. Il pallone dentro, poi Mandzukic dopo la respinta. Mario Mandzukic, sono tre i gol per la Juventus. Croatian international popping up on the sport score sheet, and good for him. You know, you just he's uh, his work rate has been incredible on that left hand side, and finally, uh, finally to get a goal. He's not looked at as the uh, the necessary goal scorer here, uh, but um, you know, coming through in this game and uh, getting on the score sheet, and, and well deserved for the work that he's put in. Yeah, if anyone deserves a raise, that that man deserves a raise. Whether it's whether he's on contract or not, give give him a raise. I mean, he's had a hell of a season. And he had a hand in the fourth goal, playing Leonardo Bonucci. Yes, Leonardo Bonucci for that fourth. Azione personale di Bonucci arriva fino al tiro. Leonardo Bonucci voleva il gol questa sera e alla fine l'ha trovato. Juventus 4, Genoa 0. I always love seeing a center, central defender score, especially Benucci. I mean, you talk about guys that, you know, put undying work rates into, you know, what they, uh, you know, into what they do and into their commitment to, you know, getting to the next round of the Champions League. And then they pop up in these league games and they score goals. It's, uh, you know, it's great to see. Dominant I mean, Juventus. Go ahead. I was going to say, to score a beautiful goal like that, strikers around the yep. world are envious of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Brilliant from Juventus today uh, with a, a bit of a changed lineup. Uh, Genoa, more of the same with them right now, playing out the stretch and uh, 
uh, just eager to get the season over with and eager to get on holiday at this point. Um, but uh, they better be careful now because they sit 16th on 30 points. Um, Empoli picked up three points on them, and so did Cotoni. So uh, if they continue to plummet the way that they are doing, uh, this could get a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you never rule it out. There's six points, only six points clear of safety hmm. with five games to go. Uh, suddenly wow. this becomes a very precarious situation. And uh, you look at their next four, uh, you know, after taking that embarrassment at, uh, at Genoa, they've got, they host Kievo, and then they host Inter, they travel to Palermo, and then they host Torino. So it, this is a little softer for them compared to some of the other teams with what they have to deal with. You know, Kievo is another one of these teams that look like they've kind of given up on, given up on the season. Um, Inter are going to be battling for the Europa League place. Palermo have given up. And then, uh, you know, th- I think they can beat Torino at the Marassi. Um, you know, so while they're sweating it, the, the slate's there for them to dig themselves out of that hole and get themselves safe. Don't you agree? I agree, yeah. And I mean, and Juric is, uh, now that he's back, I mean, sure, they played Ju- Juventus today and they stunk up the show, but... I mean, that could only be a, a boost for them. I mean, they can't do any worse than they did with uh, under Mandrolini. So uh, let's see what happens. I mean, this is, like you said, it's a perfect time for them to uh, to dig themselves back into out of that relegation fight. So we'll see. I always love it when it – and we, this, is ha- this happened a few years ago, uh, and we talked about this on a previous podcast when Zamperini sacked uh, Delio Rossi yes. and brought in Cersei Cosme and – Cosme lasted 30 days, which I think at that time was a record for Palermo managers under Zepparini. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, no, that didn't work with you. You're mad at me for you saying that Sergio Palicia is 96 years old. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> My question is, is Zamparini now the owner of Genoa? I mean, with his coaching changes now, left and right, they're looking just like Palermo did. You know, I just love it when the owner comes, you know, the, the, the owner sacks a guy, you know, brings in a guy, it doesn't work, and then he comes crawling back to the guy that he sacked. It's, I'm it's sorry, so, my bad. <laughs> you know what? You know I only hit you because I love you. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, I, but, I, you know, Juric spent time at Genoa as a player, obviously has an affection for the club, and, and was committed to coming back. So, um, you know, so that was just, a, you know, an interesting storyline there. Uh, you know, to go along with it. But they, they fought. They drew Lazio 2-2 in Juric's first game back. So uh, maybe there's a little bit of a commitment for him. And just, you know, the way Juventus is running, you know, it's uh, <laughs> not a lot of teams. No one's going to the J Stadium and getting a result these days. So I don't think there's there's a whole lot of shame they can take in uh, what happened today. So uh, just move on and focus on these next four and get the points that you need to secure your safety. Because that's uh, – I'm saying Genoa's in a sweat. I don't think they're in trouble, but they are. They have they have played their way into a sweat at this point. Um, and then uh, the Monday night game, Pescara against Roma. Uh, Pescara consigned to relegation. Uh, it's pretty much well. They would have a chance if they could beat Roma. They'd be twelve out of safety with five games to go. But it would be just as miraculous, or even more miraculous, than Palermo trying to get out. Hey, it's a Zayman uh, return to Roma. Yeah. Yep, uh, I think Roma go there. So, um, I guess his old team, former team. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It Roma's would be miraculous, though. It would be miraculous if Pescara got a win against them. Yep. Um, 
and they've been pesky. I mean, obviously they they drew against Milan uh, on their home ground recently. Uh, they were the team that got Juric sacked in the first place from Genoa. Um, yeah, there you go. They they lost at home to Juventus two nil. Uh, no shame in that. But uh, actually, they that that Milan Milan at home and and Juventus at home have been their last two. They got the draw against Milan. I mean, you never know. The reality, though, is that this Roma team is too strong um, for this Pescara team. And uh, I think the goals are going to keep coming. Um, and uh, Aiden Dzeko, seeing that Belotti didn't score, seeing that Iguain didn't score, is going to be licking his chops. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't get at least a brace and maybe a hat trick. Uh, and I'm going to go I'm gonna go big. Roma's going to win 4-1. Ooh, 4-1. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with... 3-0 for Roma. I just think they're going to take advantage of Napoli drawing to try to get themselves some distance from them uh, to make sure they lock up that league, that Champions League uh, uh, pro- proper position yes, yes, and not have to be in a fight where they're consigned to the uh, to the Champions League playoff spot. It would put them four points clear of Napoli. Uh, they have all the motivation in the world at this point. Pescata are going to be... Uh, it's just next to impossible at this point for them. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, so overall thoughts. I mean, we talked. Let's let's uh, quick touch Capocan and Yeti race. Uh, we just talked about Jeko. He was the he's the uh, player that got to sit in the clubhouse while everybody went to work this weekend, and especially now Hicardi. Has Hicardi with a hat trick. Yeah, he's Hicardi's one now him, right? twenty four. Yep, he's one behind on twenty four. Belotti's on twenty five. Iguain twenty three. Merton's twenty two. Uh, Immobile twenty. Um. You know, we we see six at twenty or more. Bordiello is probably going to get up in there, uh, into that twenty. Uh, might take a lot here for Papu Gomez. He's on fourteen. Uh, Insigne on fourteen. Kalinic on fourteen. I don't think any of those guys are going to get to that twenty twenty goal uh, threshold. Uh, but uh, Aiden Jekyll has a chance to get some separation here. And uh, again, we're we're this, this is as fun to watch. This goal, this this goal scoring, this Capocannonieri race is as fun to watch as some of the small races that are going on within the league table. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's such a tight race, and, every, and they seem to be, you know, keeping pace with each other. If you know they see one of them scores, the other ones are going to score. Um, you know that, like you said, Belotti didn't score this week, and Jeco knows that McCarty got a hat trick this week, so he's going to want to get some goals too to get some separation. He hasn't had a lead pretty much all season, so um, it'll be uh. It's, a, it's such a fun race, and you never know with Immobile. He finally getting getting back on the score sheet. Iguain, don't count him out. Uh, it's so fun. Yep, yep, agreed. And jumping back to the uh, table, uh, the other reason for Roma to win is just to have the faintest of hopes to try to catch Juventus. But even at that, if they win, they're going to be eight back um, after 33 games and with five games to go. So uh, we've been saying Juventus have been champions all season. Um, you know. Napoli 71, and then we talk about those Europa League places. Lazio and Atalanta hold the automatic spots at 64 and 63. Uh, and then you've got that dogfight that we've talked about uh, between Milan, Inter, and Fiorentina. Torino 48, Sampdoria 45, Udinese 43. And then down to the bottom, we talked about Genoa sweating it out at 30 and 16th. Uh, Empoli 29 and 17th, Crotone on 24. Um, I think we just have Genoa in that discussion, but they have the kind of slate that they should be able to work their way out of it. 
you know, Cotone are, Cotone are just fighting this thing tooth and nail, uh, hoping that Empoli could slip up a few times. And then you have Palermo and Pescara. Palermo 16, Pescara 14. I think it's done for them, especially on the way they've been playing. Um, you know, anything else on the table that's, uh, that's catching your attention? Um, no, I mean, really, what I'm going to be looking for, you know, I want to see if Borrello gets at 20. He's got to get some, he's got to get some huge incentive if he gets 20. I mean, he has to. Has he ever scored 20? I don't think he has. He's, I know he's had 15 a couple times and he's, he's pushing what, 47 years old. He's got, that's got to be, yeah, that's awesome for him. Yeah. What was it? 17 for Genoa, I think was his best. Yeah. 17 I think or 15. Yeah, he had 15 we with about Milan, that in the previous that. Pod. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in the previous pod with like 17 or 18 with 10 of them being penalties. Yeah. So yeah. He's got a lot uh, this year penalty-wise. Yeah. Yeah, he can take a penalty. That's good. You know, you know he's... Bernadeschi, pay attention. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, uh, yeah. Best player, best player from the weekend. Uh out of the uh, out of the games that we saw. Oh man, it's gonna be. Say, go ahead. Do we say Skrupski for saving Empoli? Do we say Kekabaldi? To Patrick? me, to me, it's a toss up between actually Babacar and Icardi in that great matchup. Okay. Uh, Babacar looked amazing. He looked best player in, in freaking the world in that game, which is very rare, you know, very uncharacteristic of him. And then Icardi put in a hat trick, putting the team on his back, nearly you know. Mounting the the instrumental comeback there, so those sure. for, for me those are the two that I saw. But yeah, okay, I mean, Kate Balde, Immobile. I mean, Skorupski. Uh, you could there's plenty of players who could take the who could take the cake this week. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Skorupski. Um, in a weekend of in a weekend of just goals all over the place, uh, <laughs> leave it to me to pick a pick a goalkeeper, and you know and some of it's with some bias. What's that? And it wasn't Milan's goalkeeper. No. <laughs> no, and I'll tell you, I mean, thinking that game a little bit and just kind of replaying some of the incidents in my head, I, against most of the against most any other team in Syria, uh, Milan win this game comfortably. So yeah. that just tells you the talent that Skudovsky has, and it tells you the performance that he put in. So, uh, so I'll go with I'll go with Skudovsky. We got to give some, you know, somebody we got to we got to show that somebody defended in here. <laughs> so. Um, you know, you know, on this weekend of, of 43 goals in nine games and certainly going to be more goals here but with Pescara and Roma. And uh, your thoughts on just an incredible weekend. Um, highlights all ha- highlights everywhere you look. Go to at Syria, sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram with your thoughts. Richard, before we close, let's just get into some some newsworthy stuff. And I think the thing that's probably grabbing the attention, we talk about, you know, we've been talking on this podcast throughout the season. Serie A has been a sleeping giant. Yep. Um, you know, we've touted Juventus for a long time as the team that will win the Champions League. Um, they're so close now. Um, you know, the underrated talent, the young talent, uh, you know, when we had those, we had that great conversation with, uh, with Mark Neal from Gentleman Ultra, um, you know, about the, uh, the rising stars, uh, the Grande 50, um, you know, the piece that they wrote on Gentleman Ultra. Uh, you know, it, it's really been a magnificent season. And, and just to kind of enhance things a little bit, 
what one of the refreshing things for me is to see that the stars of this season are staying. They're staying. They're, there's there's been you know there's always rumors somebody's going to play well in Serie A. It's already they're they're going to get linked to the Premier League teams or Barcelona or Real Madrid or PSG or all these other guys. But uh, you know the fun part here, Serie A looks like they're going to hang on to their stars. Yeah, they're going to hang on to the stars, and actually, some stars from other leagues are starting to. Their names are getting mixed in with the Italian teams. You got Sanchez with Arsenal. You got Cesc Fabregas with uh, Chelsea, all linked with Italian teams. Uh, and there's even more guys. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Italy is starting to be as having a resurgence here. I mean, obviously, with all the goals, you can tell the attacking is now here. Um, so yeah, and, and the stars are staying with Insigne, like you said. Dybala had the, the contact contract extension. Uh, that's that can only pose, you know. Good for Italian football and scary for the rest of the world that Italian Italian soccer is coming back. Because um, while there are a lot of goals in the league, they're still one of the best tactically defensively. So that's a bad yep. mix for everybody else. Yep, I agree. Um, you know, a, a, a rising talent is Roberto Gagliardini, who you know he left Atalanta, but he he left Atalanta to stay in Serie A and play for Fantastic Inter. Fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely. He's almost got better um, when he went to Inter. He's almost gotten better. I agree with that. I agree with that. You, because you, I mean, you, you looked at him at Atalanta and you saw Kessier, and, and Kessier caught your eye more. Yeah. Um, but now that he's now that he's on now that he's away from that and he's at Inter, he's certainly he's certainly flourished and he's caught he's caught everybody's attention. But to your point, you know, uh, Lorenzo Insigne this week uh, extended, I believe, till twenty twenty two with Napoli. Uh, so that put to bed any rumors of uh, uh, any rumors of him. Uh, possibly leaving the peninsula, although I don't think it would have happened. Uh, Andrea Bellotti uh, extended and is going to come at a hefty fee for anybody outside of the Serie A that wants him. Uh, you also have, uh, like you mentioned, Paulo Dybala, uh, you know, signing that contract extension to remain at Juventus. Uh, I believe he was extended to what, 2022? I believe so, yeah. Okay. And uh, it's just going to get better. Um, you know, uh, from the stories I read with uh you know, bits and pieces with AC Milan. Uh, it sounds like uh, the uh, the new ownership group there and Fasani and Mirabelli, uh, if it's not their first order of business, and it's incredibly high high priority to ink uh, Gigi Donnarumma uh, to a long-term deal. So uh, that's in the works. So, you know, great talent, great young talent, and there to stay. Yeah, no, and it's it's... It's such a fun time to be an Italian soccer fan right now, just because, like you said, the stars are staying, are extending contracts, and other players are starting to come into the league, and the teams are 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 really good in the league. So uh, it's just yep. it's something great to be fun to sit back and then watch the games, enjoy the games, not just as a fan of one team, but a fan of the league in general. Exactly, exactly. So uh, you know we're uh, you know so. And, and, and with some of the ownership groups that have now come in, the, the money that they're getting ready to spend, uh, yeah, this is, you know, we've been saying all season it's a sleeping giant. But I, I, I think, you know, with how Juventus has performed in the Champions League, and I think with the goals that came about this weekend, with the quality of the goal scorers at the top of the Capocanieri chart, uh, Serie A is getting the attention of the rest of Europe and the rest of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting to see that resurgence. I think we're at the very beginning of it. Uh, and I think it's going to get better and better. So, um, so congratulations to uh, Napoli on extending Insigne, Juventus on extending Dybala. Congratulations to those guys. They have a lot of money now. Um, you know, if I ever visit them, ever get to meet them, I 
I'm, I'm, I, I, I won't, uh, I won't decline a free dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, congratulations to them. Congratulations to Torino to, uh, extend Belotti and, you know, put a challenge on everybody to try to pry him away. And, uh, yeah, let's see, let's see if Donnarumma gets extended at Milan. Uh, let's see some of these other deals get done and let's start seeing some of this, uh, some of this talent start making their way back to the peninsula and making Syria see if it can get to kind of the, uh, the heights that it enjoyed in the early nineties would be, uh, would be fun to see again. So, uh, with that in mind, that's going to put a bow on this edition of Syria sit down. Uh, let's do a quick social media check here. Richard, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at R underscore Carmen. That's K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And uh, I want to make a quick little plug-in. Uh, this week, uh, I had an article that I wrote about uh, Zdenek Eczeman. Um, such a fantastic person. I, I, knew, I knew some stories about him, but uh, when I started like digging up about him, trying to find out more about his career, especially the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, uh, this guy's man, he's, uh, he's something. I can see why he's such a legend in so many people's eyes. So and a lot of go ahead a lot of secondhand smoke when you dug things up, right? <laughs> I think I got some. Uh, I think I got lung cancer just by reading about him. Oh, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. Where's the uh, where's the where's the link for that? Where can they where can people find that piece? Uh, it's gonna be on World Football Index on on their website there. But the link's been going around. You know, I've re- I retweeted it. You know, Syria sit down page retweeted it. Um, and definitely also World Football Index has been retweeting it. So just keep on a look for keep on a lookout for it. You'll see it around. That crack administrative staff on the uh, 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 that 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 manage the uh, Syria sit down Twitter and Instagram accounts. They're wonderful. Um, and it, yeah, <laughs> what a team! Uh, at Syria sit down on Twitter. At Syria sit down on Instagram. Uh, you can also follow me, Frank Ravello, at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, I'll have a lot of tweets about uh, about what's going on in Syria. A lot of information, usually musings, usually taking taking my shots at people. Um, and then also whenever I'm doing my, do a little daily fantasy soccer, I'm going to do a little plug. I want a lot of money on Saturday. So not on, not on Italian soccer, but on that Island, uh, on that Island league where they, where they claim to be the best, you know, those guys. Oh yeah. I think I've <laughs> so, heard of them. <laughs> it rains a lot. So, um, but no, it was, it was uh, pretty proud of that. And then, uh, <laughs> followed that up, followed that up with complete duds, uh, you know, and some of the other, uh, interleague and, and, and EPL FA cups hates <laughs> the rest of the weekend. So thank God I won it. Thank God I won when I did. So, um, uh, you will be in the, uh, programming note. You will be in the, uh, uh, more than reliable hands of Richard Carmen and Scott Monroe, uh, in next week's, uh, podcast. I will be unavailable. I am on a, I am on a work assignment for my, for my job that I love. <laughs> so, um, they're sending me to Vegas, Richard. Uh, I hate you right now. <laughs> Black seventeen is that what I bet on? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And my birth, my birthday's on the seventeenth, so uh, we'll give it a go. So, uh, if, if you I, know, hey, hey, if I curse you on the next pod, I apologize. I I would expect <laughs> you to curse me on the next pod. You're probably going to be like, yeah, that bastard is not going to talk above us anymore. I I can do. I've got the place to myself. <laughs> all right well on that note i want to thank you all for uh taking the time to listen to richard and i on this edition of syria sit down uh we do look forward to having you back with us uh in future podcasts and as always please do tell your paisans about us ciao
Thank you.